This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 617, brought to you by Mack Weldon. Underwear, socks, shirts that are better than what you're wearing right now, unless you're wearing Mack Weldon. I am. And if you are, then you know I do. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code iFanboy. And of course, iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 617, which is also the area code for Boston, which is all I can think about. <laughs> I am Josh Flanagan, and I am sort of in the outer Boston metro area, if I want to think about it in that way. And I'm with uh, my co-host, Carnical Patrick, who I guess crabbing was not the life for you. It's hard, dude. <laughs> Those shows make it sound super fun, you know, a lot of camaraderie and ball busting, but no. It's hard, it's cold, it's wet. <laughs> it's, it's generally unpleasant. Gotta it's stand. not at all what I thought the life of the Gorton's fisherman would be no, like. No, I thought I'd have like a cool yellow slicker suit, mm-hmm. one of those hats, mm-hmm. yeah, smoke a pipe, look off into the distance. Nope. Well, your problem is that you bought all your gear at the Gap. <laughs> that's, that's not really premium outdoor equipment. No, no, it didn't work out. I got pneumonia. It was a whole thing. But I'm back. <laughs> you sound great. <laughs> Thank you. I recovered <laughs> We are iFanboy. Every week we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We will talk about that comic book, other comic books from the week, the patron pick, and maybe if we have time, we'll read some listener mail or voicemails or do something like that. The idea is that you have a good time, but in order to do that, we have to have a good time. So I think that's our goal right there. It's us, not you. I'm sorry. It's just how it works. That's the math. Here's your spoiler warning. We're talking about stuff that happens. There will be spoilers about the comic books that we discuss. Uh, You are warned. So there you go. Uh, this week, I I don't have the pick of the week. Connor has the oh, pick. I've had the, there's, the, there's the error in the script. Yeah. Connor, you have the pick. Thank I God. thought you should just have it forever now. <laughs> no. No. So this was a strangely light week, and I was really suspicious. Kept thinking you were missing something? I was like, why do I only have 12 books? Because I normally have over 20, unless it's like a fifth week. And I was just worried that I had missed something. But no, it was just, that's just the way it worked out. I had a little, not that many books. I read them all on Wednesday, which is unusual. Yeah, you did. I slept on it because mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure at the moment. But when I woke up, the only book I really thought about was Superman 39 from Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason with art by Barry Kitson, one of our favorites. Honestly, it could have won based on the cover alone. Well, th- we had this last week. Yes, that's true. That's true. You did. It's really interesting because I was also reading through my books and I got to that one and it it didn't, it didn't stand out a ton, but in the middle of it, I thought, oh, this art's great. Oh, Kitson, sweet. <laughs> and I go, this could be pick of the week. And right, right away, as soon as I saw his name. And so he put it up. I was like, see, I knew. I knew. Chris Burnham on the cover, we should mention. Great cover of Superman flying uh, through space, holding a child who looks on with wonder at the Justice League watchtower. There's just this really great little square here, the old school Superman logo, the really bright Superman icon on his chest, and then the child's face. It's just it's, That's what you should want out of Superman right there. You know, I, I got to say I'm noticing there's a, there's an overall trend, and I don't know if people are, have quite realized it, but 
a lot of people in comics, like in the time that we've been doing this, so let's say like our uh, people who are associated with what we would think of as our class, mm-hmm. in the past, you know, five-ish years or so, a lot of them have had kids. Right. And you are 100% seeing that come out in comics. <laughs> I mean, it's all of, like you said Burnham, there's the, I went, oh, right, he just had a baby, not like, a, like within the last couple of years. Yeah. I was like, all right, it's all making sense now. So this is a one shot. It opens with Superman, you know, taking down a, a group of Z-listers called the Demolition Team. Although one of them was Rosie the Riveter, that made me laugh. <laughs> and it's being narrated by some off-screen people. We only see their silhouettes, and then the reveal at the title page is that they're all six children in you know cancer ward or something. Sure. And uh, it's a one shot in which Superman takes these kids to the Justice League Watchtower to hang out with the Justice League, and it's I'm not made of stone. You know? No, you're getting better, too. There is a heart in here. We, we've all been touched by cancer, unfortunately, in some way or another. And to see these kids running around, having fun in the Justice League, trying to get Batman to smile, that's the big scavenger hunt. And then they end up on the moon at the end, putting aside the liability issues of taking all these kids to the moon. But, you know, this was a sweet issue. It was. It made me uh, feel good about humanity, which is something... You could I, use. I need to have everyone now and then. Sure. This is Superman doing what Superman should be doing, which is inspiring kids or people in general, really. And, and then we had great Barry Kitchen art. You know, some of it's a little rough. There's two inkers here. He's not in the prime of his life as he was 20 years ago, but he's still a really terrific superhero artist. It's time. probably just practice. Like, he's just not draw. You know, like, you know, now when he comes on, it's a rarity. Right. So, you know, those sort of muscles get a little atrophied, I guess. But I don't know. It's still got the thing. Yes, it has that Barry Kitson. There's a couple of really terrific sequences here. This is a time-honored, you know, comic book tradition going back to that classic Amazing Spider-Man issue in which he reveals his identity to the dying kid. You know, superheroes shouldn't just be punching each other all of the time. (laughs) Occasionally, they should be inspiring. And uh, that's what you have here. I I love the kids putting the rocks on the moon with their names on them. Just a lot of little great touches here. Uh, There's been more of these... You know, one shots I've seen sprinkling around. We're going to talk about Batman in a little bit. I also noticed that, you know, like they've, Tomasi and Gleason, I, I feel like there runs a bit of, a little more hit or miss yes, than what's happening over in action. So this I thought was relatively successful compared to that weird, like, history road trip. Oh, totally. But I like the effort. I like the idea behind it. Uh, you know, like, I so I can applaud the attempt, even the ones that weren't successful. Like, I'm still reading it. You know, because they're, they're, they're going for a thing. And I think that that thing is interesting. Well, I think their overall theme might be that, you know, even if I didn't like the history lesson arc, it was still mm-hmm. like Superman, he does good even when he doesn't knock right. somebody across the town, you know, with his fists. He, he's still Superman. And that's mostly about inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. I feel like it, it, it's totally a reaction to the movies. <laughs> it's got to be. Very stylish haircut on Aquaman. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's always got the wet look. Someone got a trim right before the kids showed up. He didn't in his own book. No. I mean, there's not a ton to say about it other than this was just a really fun, sweet one-shot issue. And it was really nice. Even though these aren't real kids, you know, there are tons of kids like this in the world. And it was nice to imagine them being happy for a day. They could use a trip to the moon with Superman. Yeah. It was was a really fun, I don't know, you know, make Batman smile. You know, like... Who, who doesn't like that? What? It was funny. It was. <laughs> no, I mean, that was the, the punchline yeah. when he yeah, smiled. No. The kid told him a joke in his ear and everybody wanted to know why he smiled. It was funny. Also, it's a, great, it's, a gr- it's a great writer cheat that they didn't have to tell you the joke. Exactly. 
And also, Batman's a, you know, even Damien aside, he's a dad, so. Sure. He's a dad to Dick and Tim and Jason and Barbara and all these people. He would be into this, even if he didn't want to show it as much as anybody would, would be. So, sure. Superman 39, if you need a little dose of happiness and light in your life, a little bit of hope, it's nice. Yeah. I can understand why you'd need that. There's been a couple of big books this week. Strangers in Paradise 25, number one. This is 25 years since the book started. I believe that's I think what it is. That's, doing the math, that seems about right. Yeah. I think it's been 10 years since it ended. I, I don't was, remember I that, but that. I think it was 07. We've shot video at the party. I have that, I have that uh, poster from the rap party somewhere. And I think right. I think it's so. Anyway, long, long, long time listeners will know. In the first couple of years of the show, right when we started in '05, this is our former co-host Ron's all-time favorite comic. I, I believe that'd be safe to say. So we talked about this book a lot. As indie comic, yeah, tied with X Men. As it led up to the end, this was a book that we talked about on the show frequently, and uh, I, I've read the first. Three trades, I believe, and then I have that giant collection of the entire thing. Have you not finished it? No, I've never finished it. So did you, but you read this anyway. Yes, I. Well, I mean, it was a big deal. I wanted to see, you know. Okay. I and I really love Terry Moore. As we talk, we just talked about Motor Girl. We, we've read, you know, all of his other series. I didn't read it all the way through, and so I felt like this issue was completely. I was lost completely in this issue. Well, I mean. <laughs> He didn't do anything to help anyone come on who might not have read the previous. No, but also, I mean, come on, who, who are you fooling, Terry? I mean, like, like, why would he? Anybody who's coming to read this book has been there before, except for you, apparently. <laughs> that being said, you know, I didn't brush up. Yeah. So I was not fully lost. Like, once they, they started, I was like, okay, right, I remember this character. I remember her name. I, I, I know the deal. But basically, what you need to know is that this is the thing about Strangers in Paradise is that uh, it often gets described as a relationship book, but at the same time, it was also an international espionage and conspiracy <laughs> book. And then you forget that. Right, yeah. And, and also, in the time since he's done that, he's done some pretty science-based adventure things. Let's put it that way. Science. So, so in here, like, there's a... Basically, there's a little subplot where there has been a plot to thwart the running of a, of a Hadron Collider that would have destroyed the universe. Right. Uh, which I was like, that's pretty heavy for a book about two girls who love each other. Right. I mean, did you get to the thing about the Parker girls and the, and the, like, they're like high class hookers who are actually sort of like international spies. I mean, I read the whole issue. So I, no, okay. oh, you mean in the, in, no, the, in the original. Oh no, 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 I didn't get to yeah. that part. So that's, that's going to be like, what the, what, what book is this? You know, that's not, that sort of shows up a little later and I don't even, I don't fully remember the details of it. Well, I vaguely remember from the discussions 12 years ago. Sure. Listen, this was a gorgeous issue, and the, the opening sequence in which the, the little kids steal that guy's cell phone mm-hmm. was a really terrific, mostly silent sequence, and the cartooning is still the best in the business. Yes. I was just like, oh, God, I don't remember any of it. I don't know what's going on in here at all. It's funny because, because it's in black and white and because a lot of the characters are females with longish hair. And longish um, noses. Yeah, well, so... At the beginning, they they do after the kid does the thing with the phone. Basically, Kachu, who is who is a main character here, looks up. But normally, the feature that you want to look for in her to make sure that you're looking at her uh, is sort of she has a little button nose, sort of, uh-huh. and he puts a little shade on her nose. Not unlike my nose, if I'm going to be honest with you. And it's not evident in the very first shot of her in this book. Right. And I was lost, and I was like, wait, is this girl? 
the yoga girl, I was like, that's not Francine because she's not that. She's sorry. And I couldn't quite fit. And I was like, I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I forget her name, Parker. I forget her first name. The problem was that there were basically three identical blonde women in this book. Mm-hmm. And they're well, different. I mean, not completely, but very similar looking blonde women. I can read the difference between Tambi and Kachu because Tambi's like an Amazon. She's gigantic yeah. and she's got a different countenance, basically. But if you're new, that's a rough one. Yeah. It felt correct, though. The whole th- I was like, yep, okay, this is it. These are the people. Like, he hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't. It's all where it needs to be and where it should be. And, and I, I'm really looking forward to reading more of this. I liked it. I just, it was, huh? I was like, I don't, all right. I'm not, I'll just go with it. That was you're going to need to finish up those huge books that you Listen, read. Listen, you- if comics were to ever stop for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. then I would have the time. Listen, to read I know, other ones. I know you're not talking to me because I know. <laughs> I know. But you're still see the thing. The difference between you and me is you're still buying books. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I stopped a while ago because I got a, I got a two read stack the size of. It's not funny. It's 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 literally stressful. I get it. I get it. I, I don't think I'm going to finish these before I die. <laughs> so, <laughs> that at some point, Josh, the kids will grow up and leave the house, and you'll have time. Will they? I think so. I'm not entirely convinced about that. There was a time where I thought that was the case, and now I don't know. I mean. Who knows if there's even going to be jobs? Well, if they don't leave, you'll leave. Well, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Batman 38 came out? And it was that one-shot mystery, and, and I started off by saying I felt like the other storyline wasn't over, and I must have just been yes. wrong because I just assume I'm wrong whenever I yes. have that feeling. I wasn't wrong. Okay, good. This was part three of Super Friends. I felt like the other one hadn't really finished. Plus, I remember seeing some preview art with Wonder Woman by Joelle Jones, and she hadn't shown up yet. I guess it needed a little extra time. So last week we had, last month or two weeks ago, whenever Batman comes out, we had that one shot issue to sort of buy time for the regular. I don't remember reading the first part of this, so I'm wondering. First part was the dates, Super Friends. So he went on the date. uh, It was a double date issue. Oh, so that was, and then that slid into this. Yeah, Super Friends seems to be. You know, he's going around to his best friends, which would be Superman and Wonder Woman, revealing his marriage. Okay. First two parts are Superman. We took a break for a little murder mystery, one shot. And now part three, one woman shows up in Gotham. The only thing I want to talk about this, and, and all, the re- all the regular things are good. Yeah. Tom King is real good. Uh, Joel Jones is great. Let's talk about the moral conundrum of this. Well, okay. Let's describe what happens first. And, and before okay. we get to that, because that, that is actually the most important thing that happens in the book. Yes. So first of all, this is the first instance I've really seen where a writer is writing Wonder Woman to sound like Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. So she sort of speaks a little bit in broken English. Okay. Certainly in accented English, without writing it phonetically, but you can if you read it out loud. And it's a little off-putting only because she's not written like that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't dislike it. I like, I like the way Gal Gadot talks. I like everything about Gal Gadot. And I read like three books this week with one woman in it, and this was the only one where she spoke like this. So it was a little... Were any of the other books any good? Yes, in various degrees. Okay. But not right. as good as this one, obviously. I mean, okay. it's not a big deal. It's just uh, it was an observation. So the story is there's a man called the gentleman. The gentleman. He's not two words. Gentleman. I like gentleman. That's how I read it. The gentleman. Who fights these hordes in another the, dimension. The hordes of... The gentleman is in Astro City. That's true. The hordes of Guiana. I can't pronounce it. The point is... Guiana? Guiana. Oh. Guiana. 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 The Geha- yeah, like the Guiana stone. He's like fighting them forever. He's like Sisyphus, but with hordes of monsters. I feel like that. Once a year or something, Batman and Wonder Woman go and spell him. 
They tap him uh-huh. out, and he gets to come back to Earth, and he gets one day in Earth, then he gets to go back. And so here, uh, Batman gets in his bat suit of armor. That was a funny scene. And goes with Wonder Woman to fight these hordes for one day, but it turns out that one day in Earth is ten years in, in the Gehana world. Yeah. And so, Wonder Woman and Batman are on this world for ten years. Ten years is a long time even for Batman. She's showering in a waterfall. You know, what are you going to do? Like Connor, Batman is not made of stone either. <laughs> so this was unexpected because, you know, they've been setting up this Catwoman relationship with Batman for all these issues. And now what's happening here, Josh? Well, A, we didn't actually see them kiss. They're about to. Well, they're about to. But comic books have done far greater turnarounds between issues on us before. Two, I feel like Catwoman would kind of be down with it. Catwoman would be totally down with it. That's what I'm saying. It was 10 years. I was fighting monsters nonstop. What do you want? You know, yeah. come on. It's interesting. I was wondering if this is the, this is the out they're going to have for their relationship or not, but it seems like an odd way to, to end it so quickly. I, I, I genuinely think that would be disingenuous to, the, to everything that's happened. So I, I can't believe that's going to be a thing that happens. I've been wrong before, but that feels like it would really undercut everything that had been set up, depending on how the, the, take, the take they want to go on quote-unquote infidelity here. I don't know. He's done time travel-ish stories before, and he's and he's very good at it. Yep. This is a relativity story, you know, like, basically. And I, I love that. It's one of my favorite things to sort of play with. Uh, there's not an answer. Like, I, I can't be like, oh, he's fine. Like, you know, because he's going to go back, and it's going to be a thing. And he's going to tell her, I think. Sure. He has to. Also, Batman's shaving with an axe at wow. one point, which pretty badass. Just let the beard grow. Uh-huh. So it's interesting. He is shaving with an axe. I don't think I I caught that. I, I want to watch. I want to watch Joel Jones draw uh, Wonder Woman's hair forever. <laughs> so it's, it's it's an interesting little conundrum they throw into the middle of this. You know, when you are a superhero, you do often deal with these kind of scenarios in which you are stranded for ten years in an alternate dimension with the most beautiful woman on earth. Yeah, yeah. And quite frankly, he should be with Wonder Woman more than Catwoman for my taste. But that's just me. What's well, the thing about Batman? He's never he's never going to go the way that you expect. <laughs> but he's always prepared to go that way. I'm trying to remember. Was it the the, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon? It was Justice they... League, not Unlimited. It was the regular Justice okay. League one. Okay. They were in a romance, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. But I like that it only existed. I like that it didn't really exist in comics. Sure. But you know, whatever. It was good. It was really good. It was it was fun. It was you know all the stuff you want. It was a really good issue, and again, but I. I you know, I was thrown for a loop at the end, an mm-hmm. emotional loop. So I didn't, you know, didn't know what to think. Doctor Strange, three eighty four. Still reading this? Yes, I am. This is great. It is great, but I do want to say there's something I realized reading this. Okay. It's not the fault of the creative team, Donny Cates, Gabriel Hernandez, Walta, Jordi Blair, who are terrific. I don't like the idea that there's a cost to the magic. I did at first, but now I don't. That's Jason Aaron's fault. I know. Or whoever, whoever's fault. I had a very similar thought, and I thought, you can't keep this up forever. Also because it's just another instance of making the heroes less heroic. Uh-huh. Now, on a, in one sense, they're more, more, more. Well, yeah. on the one hand, yes, but in execution, they're less heroic because he's always like, oh, there's a cost to what I'm doing. It's like Marvel seems intent on making their heroes have the least amount of fun as possible. And, mm-hmm. and as a result, for me, the least amount of fun to read as possible. And that's why I only read two Marvel books this week. Which, which is why, by the way, Batman has been so much fun lately. Is right. that, like, he's having a good time for the first time in forever. 
And it's just like if, if every time they do magic, I've got to com- hear them complain about, oh, I've done something. It's gonna, co- I've got to eat the cost later. It's just like, mm-hmm. all right, I get it. I want to have fun here. I want you to have fun. Let's all have fun together. I don't disagree with you. And I actually did have that thought. I go, I don't want to, I don't want to hear this forever. Mm-hmm. But if you table that for now and think, okay, this is the story that they're telling right now. And, and maybe, maybe they're just going to set the sentry up there as the battery and we'll, we'll never think about it again. Maybe, you know, like he seems cool with it. Like yeah. they, they actually, he sort of mitigated that cost thing in this. Sure. Until the void was released. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jason Aaron really screwed him over. It was like when uh, Bendis put the Daredevil in uh, in prison and yeah. then left. <laughs> See ya. Have fun, Ed. <laughs> now, putting that aside, this was a terrific issue. Yeah. This was probably number two for Pick of the Week. Yeah, I really like how, um, I mean, A, like, I think we talked about this. Like, if you're going to put the Sentry back in, go for it. Fuck it. Like, we're, well, I'm not the same reader I used to be. Uh, you know, like, great, he's there. Wacky, let's do this. Uh, like, this is all kind of crazy. But for the first time in a long time, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the characterization of Doctor Strange in comics. I feel like we know who he is, where he's coming from. We know his deal. I think he's he's grown and or aged from where he was in the past. You know, it's kind of a weird situation that's going on with Loki there. And then I, I, I also, this, this whole time, I was thinking that, you know, Walta is is probably a much better fit for this than Bocciolo was. Even though Bocciolo's stuff was really good and it was fun and everything, I, I just feel like I can, I, I'm not, this just feels more natural to me. Well, Bocciolo fit for that story because that story yep. was all about weird monsters and demons. So he's the sure. guy you want on that. But this is more of a human story. Yep. This had a lot of really interesting twists and turns. You know, Loki and Doctor Strange have been battling out with magic because Loki wants the spell, the spell's inside. The Zelma, I keep wanting to call her Velma, Zelma, Doctor Strange is trying to protect that or protect Loki from finding out. And so then Zelma gets mad that her boyfriend Loki is fighting her ex-boss and she takes away their magic with a spell so they can figure it out like, man, only the problem is Loki is not a man. He is a god. And he punches Strange across the street. I thought that was very funny. That's uh, it's a, a, a quoting the Avengers movie, of course, uh, as we've seen there, which which happens a lot in the Lego Marvel games, by the way, quoting that that bit. Um, but yes, it was funny. And it was a nice, it was, it was a good twist. It's really, you know, Donnie Cates is a guy who, you know, he's been around for a while. He worked at Dark Horse where he's done some indie comics. He's got some, he does a lot of horror stuff. Which he's I, good. Yeah. And what I was going to say is that like, he didn't show up at Marvel too soon. Mm-hmm. He got a chance to get some of his chops under him and sort of hit the ground running on this Doctor Strange book. And it's, it's really strong. It's impressive. It feels a little like when Dennis Hopeless took over. Uh, you know, on the books that he where he came in, and I'll, wow, he's he's great at this. You know, a, a bit like that. I hope he gets opportunities a little better than than Hopeless has. Yeah, it's very, very really good. I I really enjoyed it. The use of the sensory as the person who absorbs all the pain of of magic was smart, and I like that Wong, even though he's gone, is still you know he's still Doctor Strange's sidekick. He's still his buddy. Yeah, he's still. I, I like that too. He's in. The, he's he's been there all along. This is terrific, and I, I'm, this is a book that I wouldn't have read if not for the patron pick. So I thank the patrons for that. I'm happy I'm reading it. I really like it. Cool. So you mentioned earlier at the top of the show that you're wearing your Mac Weldon underwear right now, Josh. Is that correct? I did mention in the cold open of the program about the underwear I'm currently wearing. I also am wearing my Mac Weldon underwear. I figured well, they're sponsoring the show this week. I just did laundry yesterday. I got every pair of underwear to choose from. Start the week off with Mac Weldon. Do you go right through all your favorite ones at first? Do you try to you try to space them out? Uh, I, I space them out to pay. if it's like it's just another day at work, uh-huh. not doing anything. I'm not going to wear like one of my favorite pairs, you know. Do you? So hold on, hold on. I, we're getting to something. Are <laughs> you? So like, if if there's anything special about the day, do you 
you complement that with maybe underwear that make you feel a little more special? Yes, I like to feel special, even if no uh-huh. one else knows, knows it or uh-huh. sees it. Yep. You know, if we're if we're going out to a nice dinner or there's a or there's a show or something, <laughs> I like to wear like one of my favorite pairs. Just just you want to feel good. You want to feel good. Also, just in case there's some pants tearing accident. You never know. You never know. Uh, you don't. You don't. I'm with you. I'm 100. percent Mac Weldon, obviously, on the top of that list. I wore them on the plane the other day. You know why? Because the anti. I know exactly technology. why. Yep. You're sitting on the plane for three hours. I don't want to have it constantly rolling on me. What I was thinking of was uh, sort of a, a moisture absorption property. Also uh, in, that, too. In case you got to run for a flight. I want to be as comfortable as possible. Lots of benefits. And honestly, I don't know how this no rolling thing works. Is it magnets? I don't understand how it doesn't roll. But it doesn't because Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. I mean, it's super easy. You just go to their website. You find the different kinds of underwear. You figure out what they do. You pick them out. You're on your way. You get the silver line of underwear and shirts that are antimicrobial. That's probably what Josh was talking about earlier, which means they help to eliminate odor. And again, I don't know why everything is just isn't antimicrobial. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Ryan's not here. Also, it's all premium, Josh. I have a Mack Weldon shirt that I wore. Got a nice fabric to it. Nice feel. It's a nice smooth cotton. And Mack Weldon honestly wants you to be comfortable. If you don't like the first pair, you can keep it, and they'll still refund you your money with no questions asked. How many companies will do that these days? Not very many. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's good for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just everyday life, airplane flights, running for the bus, podcasting. They should add that to their list. Sure. They absolutely should. This is a deal that you can't miss. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code iFanboy. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code iFanboy for 20% off. You can't say no to non-rolling antimicrobial underwear. What have you been waiting for? That 20% off is helpful too. So just, you know, that, that helps. So I wanted to mention Green Lanterns 39 for one reason. Sure. It made me laugh real hard. And it was dumb. So this is Tim Seeley's now in the book. He swapped with... Uh, with Sam Humphreys, who's now on Nightwing. This storyline is that Jessica and Simon, the two new Green Lanterns, are on Abin Sur's planet. And there is a woman there that, that, that's been a character for like five or six issues. So they've been building her up and so she's been revealed to be a villain. She is the daughter of the, the regent of the planet. She is a pop star and their version of an internet celebrity on that planet. And revealed to be a bad guy. She's like a hard right wing anti-immigrant because they just took in a bunch of refugee aliens from a planet that blew up. And, you know, it's obviously commenting on the, on the real world. But the funny thing was that since she's a musician and Jessica really doesn't like her, uh, Jessica made a giant 10-story Kurt Cobain and smacked her with his guitar. Oh, okay. Now, they didn't call him Kurt Cobain, but I mean... It's Kurt Cobain. I've seen Kurt Cobain. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's just one panel where she just is this giant, meet a real rock star, you scripted reality, and then whack. <laughs> Generation X strikes back. <laughs> and it was just, it made me laugh for like a minute, and then I moved on. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a great thing when a comic book does that. This book is super fun. And Tim Seeley cool. is really good at it. Yes. I wanted to just quickly mention that I, I read Future Quest Presents, number six. It's a Birdman story. I remembered... Birdman. Uh, I remember Phil Hester had mentioned it when I interviewed him, and, and, I, and I was like, oh, right, this. And so, honestly, it's number six. I don't know what part of a story this was. Mm-hmm. I just kind of read it. And uh, it's art by Steve Rude. I saw that when I was doing the script. That's cool. Yeah. It's art by Steve Rude. And uh, I actually – it was – what's the character's – Mentok? 
I think it's it's Mentok the Mind Taker. Oh, I don't remember. Well, he's on the he's on the cover, and, and it's a Mentok the Mind Taker story. Basically, tells his origin thirty years ago. Uh, I don't really know a lot about it. These are only sort of vague memories because this was a little, this was before our, our time, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this isn't the you know Cartoon Network Birdman. It's it's the real version. And it's actually like <laughs> the authentic Birdman. I'm not going to tell you that this is my favorite new comic. I'm going to read it forever. But I I was really impressed by how actually really pretty good it was. And I, I could fo- like I was like wow they're Phil Hester made a really good comic book here, and the Steve Root art doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, it, it it evokes Toth for for certain, and it was pretty interesting just as a, as a superhero story. And and even though I had, I feel like I had stepped in in the middle of an arc, like I totally followed what was going on. It was it was really well done. It was kind of kind of dark and creepy, and and also silly at the same time because it's Birdman, right? Birdman. Uh, it's actually really pretty good. I enjoyed it. Like, way more than any of those other ones that I've been trying to read for, you know, I've, I'll go back and read some of the Jeff Parker stuff, and I've gone, gone through it, and it doesn't, it just doesn't really connect with me all that much, but right. I thought this was pretty good, and it was fun, and Steve Rude's great. Steve Rude's a legend. Trinity 17, I picked this up. I had dropped off of Trinity because the original creative team of Francis Manipal and himself left the book. I wasn't enamored with the new creative team, so I dropped it, but James Robinson took over with this issue, so I figured I'd give it a shot, and I, I enjoyed it. Although the story is that I guess Themyscira has disappeared. I don't know if that's happened. I'm reading, I'm reading Wonder Woman. I don't remember that happening. It could be that I'm. Always. I don't know. Anyway, it's not important. The point is, in this book, Themyscira has disappeared. Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman are searching for it, and they get pulled into a portal in the ocean, in which they end up on this sort of Savage Land-esque world. And they find an SR-71 that's tied up in vines and it's being worshipped. And they're like, that's weird. And then it's revealed that this is the planet of Warlord, if you recall from the 80s. Kind of, He looked like Green Arrow, but he had like a Thor's helmet and didn't wear pants. I always hated Warlord, even Mm -hmm. as a kid. I don't know why, I just did. And so it started dawning on me that this was happening. I was like, wait a minute. And then right before the reveal, it's like, oh no, it's going to be that guy. And it was that guy. I'm going to read it because I thought Robinson did a great job with the story. He's a great job with the characters. Patrick Zercher is the artist. He's terrific. Although now he's, I guess now he's Patch Zercher. I feel like that's a nickname. Like that's a Twitter nickname. I'm sure. But now they're calling him that way in comics. So there you go. Oh, branding. It's not a bad idea because honestly, a little bit of me still remembers that he was the guy who took over on Rising Stars and I didn't like it as much. I mean, it's not a new, it's not a new thing. MD Bright, they started calling him Doc Bright in the comics. So right. I remember that. Right, right. Which is confusing for me as a kid. I was like, wait, what? Look at this guy, Doc Bright, draws just like M.D. Bright. Who's Mark Bright? <laughs> wow, I just pulled all those names out of a deep vault somewhere in my brain. The G.I.O. vault. <laughs> it's, never, it's, it's, a, it's an expansive vault. Uh, this was fun. If you were someone who read Trinity early, maybe stopped reading it, jump on for James Robinson in issue 17. He obviously knows these characters well, and they play off each other well. And No awkwardness between Batman and Wonder Woman here, but I guess they haven't gone to that dimension yet. Last week with Ryan, you guys talked about Avengers 675. Why is this out again? Did, didn't they just do this? Same people. So last week, they, I guess I saw on the list that Avengers 675 was the first part of this 12-part weekly series or weekly storyline uh, called No Surrender. And I thought, well, that's just crazy enough for me to check out. And mm-hmm. so I did. And I, I liked it fine. I didn't love it. But it scratched an itch. I haven't read an Avengers comic in years. Like regularly, and yeah, I, I was I was thinking the same thing about myself, and so I was like, you know what, I want to read an Avengers comic, even if I'm not super into what they're doing right now. And the an amazing cover, I don't know if you saw it, a uh, painted cover of a kid holding 
what purports to be Avengers number one. Even so, the whole thing here is that there's this woman who's showed up, Voyager, who it's sort of like a century scenario, and I don't love this where she's like Voyager. She was an original Avenger, but you all forgot about her. Uh. I mean, obviously it's not true because they keep putting her into these classic panels in place of other heroes. So it's like, of course, something is wrong here. You know, like she never quit the team after the. You know, the original storyline is the original Avengers all quit, except for Captain America, although he's not an original Avenger. But, uh, and that's when Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye joined, and they had that four-man team. Well, here she's the fifth person in that team, and then she's there when, when Vision's crying. So clearly something's up here. But uh, this is a nice, fun story through Avengers history. All the main characters are basically catatonic, so you're left with a ragtag bunch of other heroes to deal with this problem, including... As Ryan correctly mentioned, a really terribly redesigned Falcon. That showed up in some other book that I read this week. I didn't think it was horrible. It wasn't good. Is it like the black with the red that sort of wraps around? No, the worst. that's fine. The worst part is he's got these giant metal things on his shoulders. I'm going to look at it. That look like transformer bits. It's just clunky and weird. It's fun. The Pepe Larraz art is good. Pepe Larraz is, my, my, I think, my new favorite name to say. Jarvis might be dead. Uh, it just, it's like, oh, right. A bunch of Avengers sitting around the mansion talking about the, the crisis. I was like, I missed this kind of thing. That cover is it's just something. I just keep looking at it. It's a great cover. It seems like a nice little tribute to the Avengers. I don't know where this is going. I don't know anything about it. I just jumped on randomly last week, and I guess I'm in for the next 10. Oh, this this Falcon, th- those those things you're talking about are mm-hmm. dr- were drawn very different in whatever the book I read him in. Okay. They, they weren't angular. It was more right. like they were rounded, and they didn't look as horrible. That's yeah, yeah, it's bad. So if you're uh, you know if you're looking for a weird uh, weekly adventure story, I, I assume Pepe Larraz did not draw all of this, so we'll see what happens when a new artist comes on. But it's Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub are doing the story. It's kind of like it's a lot of people. Very very small version of Marvel's Fifty Two, I guess. All right, that was Avengers Six Seventy Six. There you go. Shall we go to Patron Pick Corner? Patron Pick Corner, where the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy get to vote and put a book onto the rundown. And this was a crazy week. We've had some blowouts. The last couple of weeks have been blowouts, even before the break. But this week, there were three books in contention the entire time. In fact, with hours to go, it was tied. But in the end, Ice Cream Man, number one from Image Comics, W. Maxwell Prince on writing duties, Martin Morazzo on art. First of all, I'm just going to say I'm glad Damage didn't win because I have no interest in any of those DC books. And I was very happy to not have to read them. Good, good. I saw it and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to read that, aren't I? And then I got, first I thought, oh, it's a number one. Maybe I should look at it. And I went, no, no, not for me. DC does those things like once in a while where they launch all these books featuring these C-level characters that no one cares about. They last six issues. Everybody's surprised and they get canceled. And then we do it again in two years. I don't understand why they do that. But That's exactly what happens. It must be a rights issue. Ice Cream Man. The cover is a jaunty ice cream man holding up an ice cream cone and a bunch of kids looking on in delight. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck this one this was. <sighs> this is so fucking weird. And, I, and, and not necessarily in a good way, not necessarily in a bad way. It's a horror book. I, yeah, it's I mean, horror, obviously. It's, a horror, it's, it's a horror comic. I like the art. I went back and forth on the art. For the most part, I mean, like, you know, a person needs a little more seasoning. But, yeah. you know, generally the style of it, I, I thought it was pretty good. It, it looked like a book I would like. But it's a horror book. And I don't really like horror books. And I really I, – I, I, I can't bring myself to care about the mystery of who this monster is, right. which, isn't, which isn't really about this book. So I don't – this is the same thing. When we got to do a book like this, I, I find it really hard to sort of objectively review it. 
There's a town. There's an ice, ice cream man handing out ice cream. A little kid gets ice cream. His parents aren't with him. For some reason, that's considered to be odd. Is that where we are now in the, in the society where the, if the parents don't escort their kids to get ice cream, it's weird? I didn't follow that, but but yeah, I guess. Yes, it is It is weird. I mean, now, but it doesn't feel like it, it should be. We learn his parents are dead because his pet spider is like a, uh, what is it? It's a... Uh, Brazilian wandering spider. The most deadly spider in the world, and they've killed his parents. And uh, we meet some cops. They're checking a sighting of a werewolf. And then there's a cat that got eaten, but the bones are all together. Do bones just stay together? I thought, like, you know, ligaments and cartilage held the bones together. Yeah, it's it's like an Admantium cat. So they're off investigating reports of a werewolf in the woods. But then there's this weird thing with bugs. The bugs are making the male cops say weird things to the female cop. And then we see the ice cream man in the woods apparently is the werewolf who can also manifest ice cream with a snap of his finger. A lot of things happening here. Yeah, it's kind of two monsters, three if you count the spider. I'll tell you the one moment I liked in this book. Yes. The cops lying on the ground dying. What's your name, kid? Byron. Fuck you, Byron. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah. (laughs) I did like that. (laughs) That was the best part of this book for me, which I was like, yeah, fuck that kid. It felt like this wanted to have like a feeling of proof. It felt like almost like a I could see a Scott Snyder story kind of like this. Yeah. A little American vampire feel to it, I think, which I stuck with that for a really long time. Well, Uh, yeah. There was just a lot going on here between the ice cream man and who was also a werewolf and then the deadly spider and then the, the manifesting ice cream and then the weird bug thing. It's just creepy. The creepy kid who, even though his parents were dead, you know, still wanted some ice cream. Which also I can understand. <laughs> I don't want to make put it all in this book, but there was a lot of discussion at the end of the year and beginning of the year about sales and how stores are doing sales-wise and a lot of them reporting image taking a big dive. Uh-huh. Image's inability to launch new books. And we haven't really had like a... Stand out. A must-read new image book in it's true. forever. Yeah. This is not going to change that. Yeah, this is a 5,000 copier and dwindling. Yeah. They're putting out a lot of horror books. Maybe I mean, but maybe that's because those are the books that sell. Like, it's a really, it seems like an easy enough concept. You can say, oh, it's it's a horror book called Ice Cream Man. That's scary. Oh, it's, you know what? You know, kind of easy to hand sell if you're if you have horror fans and things like that. I guess there was a time when it seemed like every week there was a new number one from Image that we were super excited about. But all of those were by established writers. Yeah, sure. and they did that thing for a while, which really changed what they were. And it feels like they've stepped away from that probably for several reasons that I could think of. Like, one, it's just it's more expensive to do that. And when those don't pan out, it's probably a bigger hit. It's no cost for image. Well, there can be some. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how sort of their mid to lower end tier works. Like, I know that there's a way for low selling books to make a profit. Sure. Um, as, you, as you know, like as long as they as long as they break even, you know, like over there over a certain amount, like image makes their fee. Sure. So there's that. So it's probably a mid-range where that is, but it doesn't feel like there's blockbusters. No one's talking about anything that's new from Image right now, mm-hmm. which is which is a shame because they did so well. For Part them. of me wonders that it's me who's not paying attention, but I think that that is correct. So there you go. So Ice Cream Man number one from Image Comics. Ratings. I'm going to go 2.5. I did, yeah. The art did work in some parts, and I did like that, that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna actually say exactly the same thing, and I will, you know, I'll, I'll admit my bias is this is totally not the type of book that I like, but I don't want to detract that from 
what it is. I'd be interested to see what people thought about it also uh, who like this genre. Um, it seemed like it was well done. And that being said, like I liked having to read this more than I would liked having to read another sort of mm-hmm. mid-tier superhero book that I don't care about. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean, yes. So I'm ta- I was happy to check this out as opposed to Damage because I knew, you know, I'm not going to be interested in Damage. I know that. So I'll take a flyer on Ice Cream Man. See what happens. I would have been fine if this was a bit of a book about a guy handing on ice cream. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I keep waiting for uh, for like a comic, like a patron pick or something to come along that's like not high concept. Right. You know, like, like what about something that's just a really good story, even if it's just about people? Like, I feel like there's none of that in my comics lately. Well, there's you've got uh, Strangers in Paradise. Uh, yeah, but there's a there was the a black hole being created in Earth and a large hadron <laughs> collider. I mean, like even that. You know, that wouldn't have been the hook. If I was reading that for the first time, I'd be like, oh, that's heavy, you know. I was surprised that Strangers in Paradise didn't do as well in the voting as it did. You know what? I don't think that most people remember it. It's old school. Yeah. It's before the current crop of readership. Yep. Sticking with it? No. No, me either. All right. Patron powers time. Every week we like to thank our patrons who, uh, who give it a $5 and above level by giving them a superpower. Patreon.com slash fanboy. That's where you can join up to get your power. I think I checked this morning, and we are entering the patrons who joined up last year. Okay. We're in the second half now. And they, they joined at a greater rate earlier, so we will catch up. Michael Rookard. Michael Rookard. So you know, Josh, how when babies are born, mm-hmm. um, their muscles are completely limber. You can fold them up. You can flap them around. And then as you mm-hmm. get older, you know, it gets, your muscles get, get tighter, and people can't bend over and touch their toes. I, I'm, yes. Yes, I do know of that. That never happened to Michael. He's always been super limber. Oh, wow. So you can fall down and just walk away from it. Through no work. He doesn't have to go to stretching. He doesn't have to go to yoga. No work on his own. He is just the most limber adult on the planet. But still with muscular control. He's not like a giant baby. No, no. He's not like a ragdoll. He just, he can do splits. He can fold them in half. He can do whatever he wants. He can put his his, uh, ankles behind his head. He has the full strength of a of an adult human, but the but the but the sort of uh, brand new out of the package tendons and ligaments of a baby. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, baby tendon man. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Weiss has the ability to transmogrify dirt into chocolate. You well, can take any dirt and make it into chocolate. Any chocolate. <sighs> Is he, is he stealing, he's stealing white chocolate at the moment. I'm, 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 I, I, first of all, white chocolate is not technically chocolate. It's so okay. It's but, not. It's not. It has no cocoa in it. It's not chocolate. All right. So I'm going to go ahead, and this is the twist I'm going to put on it. Given that you asked me this, I'm going to okay. put the condition on it that um, the composition of the dirt tends to make up the composition mm. of the chocolate that comes out afterwards, and how how dark it is. Now I'm going to go also ahead and say we're not talking about straight cocoa a cacao extract or something it's finished chocolate it has been it has been prepared you know with with the, the correct uh, sugar and and all the stuff that you would need to make it into a, an an edible chocolate so but does he know or is it, is it like a crapshoot when he when he changes it what he's gonna get I, I mean like over time he learned so he's becoming you know, an expert on dirt yeah yeah and chocolate dirt oh. and chocolate <laughs> that's awesome yep cameron schrader Thanks for being a patron, Cameron. Cameron, so you know there's a there's a hero called Dazzler, obviously. Cameron is the bedazzler. Cameron can bedazzle anything with his fingers. Wow. Yeah. You want shiny little 
bedazzles on your jeans. Mm-hmm. He just he can just touch your jean. There's a bedazzle for you. <laughs> he can bedazzle any surface. Um, <laughs> he can bedazzle anything. So is, we have we have gone into a more supernatural realm. It's not like he just walks around with a device. No, no, his, it comes out of his fingertips. He can bedazzle okay. anything. He can bedazzle any color, any sort of luminosity of the shine of the bedazzle. He can be super shiny. He is he is the ultimate bedazzler. All right. Does he also sing? Because the dazzler does. <laughs> well, I mean, not professionally. Okay, fair enough. In the shower. All right. Do you know? Uh, you know, surgically, they have those really thin filament cameras. Uh, I guess, yes. Yeah, uh, or other things. They would use, like, an auto mechanic might use it. Yeah, to yeah, do yeah. Something. Well, uh, Tim Jones can do that with his fingers. He can turn them into little cameras? He's got an eye on the end of it. But, but they can, they're, they're like prehensile, stretching, extending, super thin uh, extensions that will come out of his fingers so that he can see in an area. Also, that it's uh, it can see in the dark and stuff. So, so. like Mr. Fantastic fingers, kind of like his, they can they can stretch and and kind of thin out, and so he can he can like point at a lock, and his finger would stretch out, go through the lock, and he could do that. How long will they go? I mean, let's say for example that we're talking about he's got to stay within the physical limits of the mass that he's taking up. You know, like like so. He could, it couldn't be like a mile. Sure. But if you were sort of stretching out ever, and it will lose, you know, as you get longer, it's going to get thinner and less, less, less strength and everything. Oh, I see. So the, the, the mass of his fingers, he can stretch it out until it's kind of like Play-Doh. Yeah. Silly so, putty. You know, yes, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I had in mind. Yeah. So, you know, he could probably go a couple of feet without too much problem. There you go. That's cool. He could mm-hmm. be a, he could be a, a very lucrative uh, job as a spy mm-hmm. or a private detective. A or private or dick. a dick. Or a disgusting job in an emergency room. Hey, tell us what, what you see in there. You know what, though? I mean, those he'd make bank doing that. Yeah, you're not gonna want to cut yourself, though. Think about the cost savings of they don't have to buy the equipment. Mm-hmm. That's passed on to Tim. Well, yeah, but at the same time, a lot of those devices would have a screen that you could look at, or other people could look at, or they could take pictures from. That's Tim's true. just got to describe it to you. It's like a it's like a lump there. <laughs> And also, he's going to need that money for the therapy of having to stick his hands into people all the time. Exactly. Various you're, you're, orifices. You're figuring it out. Uh, so thank you for the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. If you want your own superpower, uh, go there and join up today. Yeah, to do that, go over to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Um, you may have heard a, a story going around. It was a real thing uh, that, that Patreon changed the way that they were billing, and it sort of uh, taxed a little extra to the people who were already supporting the people like us, they took that away. They changed it. It's not happening. So if you were like, screw this, I'm going away, uh, one, you have no reason to do that. Two, they actually listened to what people said and they and they fixed it, uh, which is commendable, to be honest with yes. you, because people don't do that. Like that time that Netflix changed their name for the mail order part and everyone was like, that's dumb. And they were like, okay. You're right. You're right. So uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash ifanboy and support the show. Why would you do that? Uh, you would do that because you really appreciate and value the show, um, and that really helps it uh, make it worthwhile for us. It makes a big difference uh, to our producing the show, and you know it it, it helps, and and we really appreciate it, and uh, it, it definitely makes a difference. And you know, I support a bunch of shows and things that I really like, and it's just sort of part of the new economy. Uh, as we want to keep 
sort of this niche programming going uh, that, that we do this as a community all across the board. You do it for shows you like, whether it's this one or other ones, I do it for shows because uh, it takes a lot of time and effort to do this. And, and at a certain point, you have to have other justifications other than just like, oh, it's just it's fun thing to do with my free time because we want to make sure we're doing a good time on it. So do that. People who do, we really appreciate that. You will also find that there are uh, levels of, uh, of reward that are coming up. And I, I, the next one is, is, is still the all media podcast, which people have talked about or ER cast, which is what it would turn into. <laughs> so we might actually, um, rejigger, rejigger the stretch goals. Cause we've had the stretch goals for a while. We've plateaued. We have we actually had some other ideas. So we may end up changing those up. Stay tuned. Yeah. There might be a new, uh, next stretch goal, mm-hmm. but, but we'll talk about that at a future date. You can also go over to our t-shirt store, uh, ifanboy.threadless.com. There are six designs now. There's, of course, the two classic, the iFanboy and the Herm. We have some newer ones. I'm going to probably start stop dividing these into categories soon. But there's yeah. our Pick of the Week podcast. There's ratings. Ratings. Thank you. There's our If One is Electro shirt. And, of course, our brand new design, GDAT. Now, GDAT is a definitely a, a niche design. And we, yep. we, we are aware of that. People have asked. We, we, we're not expecting this to sell gangbusters. However... What we did not expect is that if one is Electro is now our second best-selling design of all the great shirt. Yeah, that was uh, unexpected. Well, one thing that we have failed you, the, the listener, on who did not come to the Patreon Hangouts, which is, by the way, another really good reason to join because the Patreon Hangouts are fun. There's, another, there's one coming up. Is that there's some running gags that we have on those shows that are not on this show, and that shirt tends to have something more to do with that. So a GDAD is a goddamn American treasure. And I saw somebody uh, wore one out to the bar the other night. That's fun. Oh, that's fantastic. Good luck explaining that. <laughs> so uh, so thank you, everyone, who buys shirts, too. There's another one coming soon that's a little more straightforward. Yes. Uh, you can also go to ifambo.com slash support. If you don't want to deal with any of that patron stuff, you can you can still make a direct donation via PayPal if you want to. I don't know how this tax bill affects eccentric billionaires. And to be honest with you, I don't care. I want your money. <laughs> <laughs> Send it my way. As I understand it, you're going to be a lot richer. So, you know... Share the loot. You're going to be twenty percent richer, so be be five percent more generous. I tell you something. I know I'm not. I I know where that. I, I figured out how that works. That's not good. Let's do uh, at least one audience question. Wes from Fridley, Minnesota says, "With a hiatus being common with independent comics, many readers, including myself, have traditionally subscribed the wait for the trade mindset. After reviewing my list of series I read, I noticed that many of them have been facing incredibly long delays over the past year or so. These series include Lazarus." Southern Bastards, Bitch Planet, Saga, and now Black Hammer. I know that a hiatus is needed for various reasons, but this made me think if it wouldn't be best just to wait for a series to end before reading starting it. What do you say? There's two ways to look at this. Is it good for you, the reader? Might be. Is it good for the series to exist? Probably not. Uh, A lot of these will go forward based on issue sales. Go forward or not. And, you know, the reality is it's not a huge audience, so there is definitely a... Uh, an economic component to it if you, if you're not buying it as they do it and I think it, I think I think the hiatus is really have to do more with the actual ability to produce the book at a monthly level and have it come out regularly so it, hiatuses are different than delays and I think that that's important I think well I think what's happened is that so many books like that got burned with delays that they built in hiatuses yeah and it's been a very like mature and intelligent thing uh, I think for the creators to realize and to plan around but to the reader, it still feels like a delay. And that's not to say there haven't been delays. I think uh, sure. uh, books like Four Kids Walk to a Bank, that, that, whole, um, mm-hmm. that whole publisher, Black Mask, Black Mask, they had serious delay problems. So there's still a problem with indie books because at the end of the day, these books are made on the side for the most part. And, and uh, you know, shoestring and peanuts, really. 
Now, look, from a re- I, I'm always a proponent of you should do what's best for yourself and not worry about the economics. It's not your job yep. to keep these books afloat. It's your job to read the books the way you'll enjoy them the most. So, yes, everything being equal, I think probably the best thing to do is to wait until they're done. I said this a long time ago on the show. After getting, you did. After getting burned on a bunch of indie books that I was going to st- stop reading them in issues because I was tired as a reader of being burned by it. So, all things being equal, sure, probably the best thing to do is to wait. But, I don't know, that's the perfect world, which we're not in. I mean, like, if everybody stops buying the Black Hammer issues, there's not going to be a trade. Yeah, it's just not. There's the, the margins are too thin over at a place like Dark Horse or something like that, which is different. So, so it's also you know when you want to think about it like that, that means it's Dark Horse, which means that they're paying creators not as much as they would pay at Marvel or DC, but they're paying creators to do that book across the board. So there's a budget that they have to cover, and they're going to cover that with monthly sales. They might figure in trades to a certain extent, but it's not going to be fully that. A book like Black Mat or um, Four Kids Walking to a Bank, uh, that's sort of funded that way, but that's an indie book that they'd probably make anyway. But if they're making it without a budget, they're going to do it on their own, and it's going to take long. So it sucks. Yep. It, yeah. It, in a perfect world is really the way to put it, and this is not that. Yep. Uh, Chris says, I've been thinking about this question since listening to the Patrons Powers portion of episode 615, about 10 minutes now. If all the patrons that have been given powers teamed up like some sort of legion of mediocre heroes, what is the most powerful comic book superhero teams that they could go toe-to-toe with? <laughs> I don't know how to answer this. First of all, <laughs> mediocre is being a little generous. It, it's it's almost a, a hindrance. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they even rise to the level of mediocre, which is not a slam on them. It's a slam on the powers we've given them. Um, yeah. it, it's also completely made up. Now, here's the thing. I'm listening. There are like 200 of them. So just yeah, by but like, sheer numbers alone, you could throw a lot of bodies at like a Justice League Detroit or somebody like that. Yeah, but as soon as you get a, a, a an Omega level in there, you know, like like just even even somebody down to the level of Spider-Man, probably going to mop them up. Well, let's see. How many have we done? Let me, let me go to this spreadsheet. I don't know how many bodies we can throw at them because that's just a lot of bodies. It's just a lot of it, tonnage. Well, I'll well, ask you this. Is, are there any of them that, that are actually – have we given anybody actually powerful or useful powers? Before, all right. So we've had 240, 274, about 270 patrons with powers at this point. That's a lot. Of, that's a big team. Yep. That's now, a, then you then you got logistics problems. So though. then you got to look, is Justin uh Jekamiak, who always has a napkin ready to go, is he going to be all that helpful <laughs> in the battle? You're going to you're you don't want to put him in the typing pool. No, he's you want him in the back to mop up at the end cuz there's going to be a lot of blood. <laughs> Clean up. <laughs> Obviously. So, let's pick another random one. Uh, uh Scott Hazelwood can change his whole body into any color. That's again, not that helpful. <laughs> In battle. <laughs> Chad Urban can make roller skates emerge from his feet. Now he can get the fuck out. He's like, I'm out which, of here. That's Thor. Which I would advise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, Marcus Rice has aluminum hair. Maybe he could, you know, headbutt somebody. <laughs> Give somebody sort of a paper cut. Yeah. Aluminum cut. Uh, James, James Pelter is the super digger, if you recall. He can dig really fast, so maybe uh, he can. I don't know. Guys, follow me. <laughs> it, I mean, there's a lot of. I don't know. I, we've looked at the psychology of this and us a lot, and there's a lot of escape based. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's like all of our quote unquote heroes aren't there to fight? They're there to go <laughs> or to help. Yep. 
Um, or yeah, or to help. know everything about G.I. Joe. So Wait, Juggernaut. Did you know that Cutter is from Boston? <laughs> Whack. <laughs> now, Alan Travis is a 10-second time traveler, so that might be helpful. He could, he could it's sort of you like... Know what, uh, you know what he would do? He would go. <laughs> he would use that 10 seconds to, to get a little head start. Including Benjamin Kumar, who would go fly anywhere via Detroit. As long, he doesn't care about Detroit, he just needs to get out. <laughs> wow. This is getting dark for us. Yep. yep. It's pretty... The point is, the only way they'd have a chance is just, just, just to throw bodies at a team full of, like... Uh... <laughs> there would be massive casualties. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. It would be really... The guys who clean up, they'd have a lot to do. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any team, eventually. <laughs> they'd run into somebody. The Great Lakes Avengers, they might last a little while. Not yeah. really. I mean, they just have to, they'd have to just all sort of fall on top of them. What about uh, the one with Six Pack? The, the one from uh, oh. uh, Hitman, those guys. I think, I think we have a shot against them. They, we have a shot against, this, uh, against them, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Dog Welder would be... They could, they could overtake Dog Welder, though. Don't you think? Well, he's he's immortal, so there is that. No, but they could just stop him. Yeah, they don't have to kill him. There's going to be a lot of dogs welded to, to <laughs> unsuspecting podcast fans. All right, so thanks to Chris and Wes Sorry. for writing in. Contact at ifanboy.com, and that's where you can send your email. You can also record an audio clip and send it in as a voice question if you want to get your next voice week. Out. I'm just going to go. He's really strong. <laughs> he can fly and is independent and is vulnerable. <laughs> So we have a booksplode coming up. We're going to be doing Iceman Volume 1, which uh, we just talked about in the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, the first uh, issue of it. That's going to come out, I'm looking at the calendar, probably around the 25th or 26th. So you can look uh-huh. for that around the 25th or 26th to the next booksplode, Iceman Volume 1. Yeah, I read it. Oh, good. I'm, where did it Generally go? important for, this, for the show. Yeah. So Talksplode, I had it. And not unlike Sean Connery, <laughs> I lost it. Oh yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We're, it's, I told you that this would happen this month. I'm. I'm calling in a ringer, and then next month there will be somebody too. I've actually got some things lined up uh, for the future, but they're sort of uh, release dependent. But uh, I'm calling in a ringer, and it's going to be somebody that you like. Are you interviewing Ryan? <laughs> no, it's an actual comic book creator oh, okay. of, of some renown. If you're a patron, as I mentioned before, there's a patron hangout coming out. If you're listening to this show right away upon release, or the first or second day. It's Monday, January 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be hanging out, Josh and I, uh, for an hour, an hour talking about nonsense. This is generally what happens on the Patreon Hangout. Even I really look so. forward to these. They're fun. Even more so than this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're nonsense-based. So check that out. If you're a patron, come hang out. If not, you can always watch the replay of it. Uh, we have it linked on the Patreon page. Uh, so if you miss out, not a big deal. You can always go watch it. We had patrons ask us, like, we're, you know... When did you guys talk? Well, go watch them. They're all on the Patreon page. You can all watch all of them. Yeah. It's just like another podcast. Yep. Put it on the background when you're doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Head over to iFanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy or following at iFanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know why you'd want to. Or C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. What happened to your mailbox? Uh, I think the plow hit it. Oh. Uh. So, like, the post is plastic. I see. And like, so the one, the thing's not open. What's, what's really sad about that is a picture of my mailbox that I had to fix with tape for those of you not following along at home. It was really high end, you know, like three inch thick gorilla tape. So it's totally solid right now. But I put in my mailbox not too long. It was one of my most proud 
uh, home improvement projects. You know, like I poured this, dug the hole, poured the cement, oh, got wow. it, let, you know, plumbed. Like I did the whole thing, and it looked and functioned great. But uh, everything that is made now is garbage. Sure. So it, you know, only lasts a couple of years, but in our, in our, there's been a lot of snow. So the plows come through and if they come too close, then they whack it and it's, you know, cold and it's plastic. So it cracks. Like I'm going to replace it in the spring, but you should make one out of wood. I don't know how to make things and I don't have tools. And I, and whenever I try to, I, I do it badly. If you like the show, write a review on iTunes or leave a star rating. You can do that too. It takes one click and it helps the show, helps people find the show. And that's one of the best things you can do for any podcast. Better yet, tell your friends about us or introduce your mom to the podcast. Help spread the iFanboy love. And Josh. Yeah. I feel like I'm actually back. I feel like this is the first show of the year for me because mm-hmm. obviously it wasn't on last week. And the week before that was the first show back. And you and I were both sick. I hadn't slept in 48 hours. I remember this. And actually, I realized after the show, I also hadn't eaten in 12 hours at that point either. Mm-hmm. I don't even really remember doing the show. That's your patron dollars at work, people, because he's <laughs> not coming if you're not doing that. I feel like this is the first real show I've, I've, I've returned to. You sound good. Sound healthy, cogent. I'm a little congested, but that's just... Uh-huh. That's normal for you. My allergies. I feel I'm feel good. I liked it. This was fun. <laughs> Unlike last time I did the show, I'm not going to now go sleep for 13 hours, which is what I did last time. And that sounds amazing. I don't sleep like that ever. That's how tired I was. Anymore. No, anymore. Because <laughs> there was a time when that was your Olympic event. Sure, but now as my advanced age, I, yes. I, you know, if I get six or seven hours, that's a no, that's that's yeah. more likely the. Oh, we don't have any. T- we don't have any time to waste anymore. <laughs> Twelve hours. I was like, whoa. What happened? But yeah, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. It's fun. I'm Connor. I'm Josh.